If you felt great in your body, how would that change your life? How would it change your body? And how would it change your level of happiness? Women deserve to feel great in the skin they're in and to live a life they truly love. Now is the time to join the host of For the Health of It, Master Health Coach, Julie Medesi. Hello and welcome to For the Health of It. I am your host, Julie Medesi, here on the Inspired Choices Network. I'm really excited to have you here today. For those of you who don't know me yet, I am a master health coach. I am a certified holistic health practitioner and a certified personal trainer. And I love working with women over 40 to help them feel great, look great, and kick midlife in the ass. If you're one of those women who is going into or coming out of that lovely transition that we call menopause, then I would love to speak with you if you need support in any area from weight management to getting fit to understanding what the heck is happening with your body at this stage in life. But I also like to talk about all things health. And so that's why we're here today. And especially a topic that's near and dear to most people's hearts that I'm aware of is conquering your cravings. So if you find yourself battling those pesky midnight munchies, finding solace and dialing out for delivery, or indulging in a secret rendezvous with your snack cupboard, then this episode is for you. Um, we are going to talk about the driving forces behind those irresistible urges, unravel some of the secrets of mindful eating, and uncover surprising strategies to outsmart those cravings. It's likely that you've been living under the illusion that there are forces outside yourself that make your cravings like your kryptonite. And it's time to debunk some of those common myths and talk about cravings so you can unlock the door to a healthier, more empowered relationship with food. And who doesn't want that? So whether you're a secret snacker or a midnight ice cream muncher or someone who is constantly battling with the allure of the cookie or like me, popcorn, um, grab your favorite guilt-free treat and settle in because this is gonna be an amazing show. So let's talk first about understanding cravings. I mean, where do they come from? It's something that is actually pretty primal and has evolved in our bodies over time since our ancestors, the cave people days, right? One of the things I find really interesting that I think drives cravings is this diet culture that we have especially in North America, but globally now. Everyone is concerned about weight, about fitness, about health. And so I, I read a startling statistic today that said the average person in America does 126 different diets in their lifetime. Can you imagine that? I mean, let that sink in for a minute. That's, that's doing at least two different diets for every year of life where you have some choice over your food. So we're going to discount those first years of life, right? And yet the obesity rate in America continues to climb. And one of the things that is contributing to that is these constant cravings we have for our comfort foods, these highly palatable, hyper-processed foods. So Things that happen on a diet is that you're left feeling deprived, you're left feeling restricted, you're left feeling emotionally spent, you're left feeling like there's something wrong with you and you have to figure out how to eat. So some of the other things that contribute 
to cravings could be emotional attachment to a specific food. And we'll dive more into that a little bit later. It could simply be a habit. I always have this in this particular situation. You could be dealing with some nutritional deficiencies um, and you might not even know it. And it also could be hormone imbalances, especially at this time of life, ladies. This is something that happens. There's nothing wrong with you. It's very normal when our hormones are all over the place to have different responses to those hormone imbalances. Um, stress, another major factor. Our society wears stress like a badge of honor, and it's something we don't deal with well. And when we don't deal with it well, it creates a cascade of, of things happening in our lives that really destroy our health, chip away at our, at our good health. And cravings are something that can come from stress as well. And limiting beliefs. If you're one of these people, I've and I used to say this about popcorn because that's my comfort food. Um, I've had clients come to me and say, I am addicted to cookies. I am addicted to chocolate. I'm addicted to sugar. And there's a belief that they are completely power, powerless when we get around that particular food. So let's talk about differentiating between cravings and physical need for a start. Um, one of the things that I find really interesting, I work with my clients and I talk about three kinds of hunger. I talk about head hunger, which is when we, we have those thoughts or we're, we're mentally spent after the end of a long work day. We don't want to have to make other decisions. It's easier to just go for something easy, familiar, and comfortable. So maybe we mindlessly munch while we're binge watching a favorite show. Um, there's also heart hunger. And for me, heart hunger is that emptiness or loneliness or some kind of emotional dissatisfaction, some kind of a void that we feel like we need to fill. And we do that by shoving food down um, that may not be really helping support our healthy habits. And then we talk about physical hunger, and that's the true hunger where we need to fuel our bodies with something. And again, because processed foods, fast foods, these convenience foods are so readily available, sometimes we're experiencing physical hunger, and those are the only things that are available. And when we get to that point, those foods are designed to make you want to eat more of them. So I'll talk again a little bit more about that later. But when we go back to our, our physical and kind of primal factors that contribute to cravings, they're, they're called the six hungers. And these drive our eating decisions and our eating behaviors. The first one is thirst. And I know people say, if, if you're thirsty, you're going to feel thirsty and you're going to want to drink something. But that isn't necessarily true. Back in the days of our former, former, former ancestors, um, they didn't have always readily ready access to clean water. And they got a lot of their water from the foods they ate, which were plant foods, which are very high in water. And the human body needs between three and four liters of water per day. We don't have to drink that all, but that's how we're wired. And so when we sometimes feel hungry, it could be that primal signal from our ancestry telling us we need to eat foods that are higher in water. 
Now, which foods do we reach for when we feel those hunger pangs? They're not usually vegetables and fruits, unless that is a habit that you have well developed over time. Most of us reach for a bag of chips or some crackers or some kind of convenience food that is completely devoid of water. And so sometimes if we if we are feel hungry and we can drink some water or eat foods that are higher in water, it will satisfy that hunger and that drive to eat something. So paying attention to where those signals are coming from is going to be really important. Then we have emotions. So we have um, certain foods during certain times. And again, going back to our ancestry, there were certain times of the year where, where hunting was um, available and food was abundant. And so they celebrated and ate as much as they could to satisfy that need because they knew that period would be short-lived. Or in the summertime, especially in a temperate or a cooler climate where food isn't always growing and available during the colder months. So we would have this attachment. It's this time of year. This makes me feel good. I'm with my people. I'm with my tribe. We're celebrating. And so there's that emotional drive to eat something. And a lot of times these triggers are subconscious. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about this again later, but emotions have a huge impact on what kinds of things we crave and whether we crave. So also variety is the third type of hunger. Back again, our ancestors had access to lots of different kinds of foods, depending on the season, depending on whether they were in one place or they moved around and were more migratory in nature. And so the food variety tended to be from season to season or month to month or time to time. And here in th this day and age, we have a variety of foods on the same plate, let alone throughout all of the seasons. And we don't have limited access to some of those foods at certain times of year. And so we have more variety actually than our bodies really need. But when we're constantly seeking that variety, we can start to crave it. We want to have something different because we know it's available. Um, then we've got, have you ever got to the mid-afternoon and all of a sudden you're getting a little bit sleepy and you're feeling kind of tired? Sometimes that's because you're dehydrated, but also sometimes it could be because your blood sugar is low. Your blood sugar follows a pattern that looks like waves and it climbs after you've eaten and then it dips after you've digested. And it's important to be able to follow those waves and try not to eat until your blood sugar has gone low enough after you've digested your food, because otherwise we shorten that wave and it makes us become insulin resistant. That's a whole other topic for a whole other episode. But when your blood sugar is low, your body is trained to look for food. And again, what's the food you tend to reach for mid-afternoon? I'll have a cookie. I'll have a bag of trail mix. I'll have some chips. I'll have something that's going to raise the blood sugar. So again, we don't tend to crave fruits and vegetables in the times when our body is looking for something specific until we train ourselves to do that. So the fifth hunger is basically the desire to eat. And I mean, I'm pretty sure we all know that, but 
your stomach is actually the size of your fist and it sits under your rib cage and it is elastic, which means it's, it's meant to stay small in between eating and it will expand as you put food into it. And then ideally it contracts back down into that fist size organ that sits down then under your ribs. But we are a society that overeats constantly and so we stretch and stretch and stretch. And so anytime the food, our stomach starts to empty, we feel that growling sensation. But instead of just honoring that as a, and identifying that as the fact that our stomach is now empty, and at some point in the reasonably near future, we might want to start looking for food, we get into a panic. Oh my gosh, I'm hungry. I have to eat something as if we're going to die of starvation if we don't have that food to put in that growling stomach. But we have to stop being afraid of hunger pains. We have to be, we, yeah, Christine says, I do not. I do it too. And I have to remind myself, it's really important to get in tune with your hunger signals so you can say, you know what? Hunger is not an emergency. It's okay if I feel a little hungry. The worst thing that's going to happen is I feel a little hungry, maybe a little hangry, but that's okay. We have ways to deal with that. So we're going to go for a break. And when we come back, I'll talk about real nutritional hunger, and then we're going to dive a little bit deeper into um, some of the myths, common myths around cravings, and uh, what you can do to start debunking those for yourself. So stay tuned, come back after the break. If you want to come and join us live, come to inspiredchoicesnetwork.com forward slash chat room, and I will see you after the break. Do you know that health and vitality are your body's natural state of being? Is that what your life feels like? Or do you feel like that's more of a pipe dream than an achievable goal? If you're a woman over 40 experiencing those not-so-fun changes to your body or lacking energy and worrying about the side effects of aging, wishing you could fit back into your clothes, it is time for you to learn how to change it all. When you tune into For the Health of It with Master Health Coach Julie Medesi, you'll learn how to regain your sense of badassery so you can navigate midlife like a boss. Listen to For the Health of It with Julie Medesi, Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 9 Central Time, 8 Mountain Time, and 7 Pacific Time, and 4 p.m. in Italy on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is For the Health of It with Julie Medesi. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to julie at evexiahealth.com. That's J-U-L-I at E-V-E-X-I-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. And now, back to the program. 
Welcome back to For the Health of It. I'm your host, Julie Medesi, here on the Inspired Choices Network. And today we are talking all about conquering your cravings. Cravings hit all of us. In the first segment, we talked about where cravings come from. We talked about emotional attachment. We talked about habits. We talked about potential nutritional deficiencies and hormone imbalances. There are a lot of different factors that play into cravings. And so we talked about, started talking about the six kinds of hunger. And the first five are thirst, our emotions, needing variety, low blood sugar, and the just the plain old easy desire to eat. So let's talk about the sixth one, which is nutritional hunger. As I said earlier, we are a society that is overfed and undernourished. Our food is often devoid of the vitamins and minerals and the essential nutrients that our bodies need to thrive and not just survive, but to thrive. And a lot of times you may eat something and then afterwards feel tired, lethargic. Um, Maybe it gives you a headache. Um, maybe it gives you a stomach ache. And a lot of times we teach ourselves to ignore these signals, but they're really important to pay attention to because we find that later on, um, if we continue to ignore them, we start eating for reasons other than our body's needs. And so this can lead to different cravings. And something really interesting that I find talking about what's driving cravings the the food industry actually designs your foods these hyper palatable highly processed foods and yes i did say design a lot of them are created in a laboratory with different chemicals used for colorings and flavorings and they are designed to make you want to eat more of them and these alone can drive a lot of the cravings that you have and when you combine those with the billions of dollars they spend in market research and advertising, that those things are designed to make you want those foods, to feel like you have to have those foods. And the the beautiful pictures and TV commercials with the steam and the and the gooey chocolate and all of those things. I mean, if that doesn't get the saliva running, I don't know about you, but I that happens for me as well. Even though I know those foods aren't good for me and I don't even like them. It's how, again, it's how we're wired. And one of the one of the myths I find most prominent about cravings is that we are powerless around certain foods. And let's just take sugar as an example. I have to pull my list out because this is really astonishing. Um, Sugar is one of those things that the more you eat of it, the more you want of it. And we we have a, a setting in our body that tells us when we've had enough. When, when we eat foods that are artificially sweetened, that mechanism isn't triggered. And so it makes us want more and more sweet things to satisfy that urge. And um, if we continue to eat more and more and more sugar, of course, our tolerance level goes up and then it makes us want to crave more and more. But interestingly, because of so many foods are chemically processed with additives and fat-free and sugar-free, and they have to add something to put the flavor back, and usually it's sugar. And 
interesting, I looked up some things just to give you an idea. Some of the healthy yogurts that you find in the in the store, and I, I actually had this situation with a client. She was so excited. She bought a whole case of these little tubs of yogurt, and it said healthy and fit on it or something like that. And I said, oh, that's interesting. She said, and the flavors are amazing. They're, they just taste so good. So I asked her, read the ingredient label. Let's, let's have a look at those and see how much sugar is in there. She said, but it's yogurt. It's healthy for me. Those, those yogurts, if you have one cup of them, it, they will have as much as 45 grams of sugar. That's 11 teaspoons. Can you imagine just taking the spoon um, in the sugar jar and putting 11 teaspoons of sugar on anything? I can't. But we eat that regularly in many of the foods that we buy from the store. Sugar has 75 different names, if you can believe it. And so it's easy to hide it in ingredient labels because we don't actually know what it is that we're eating. When you look at things you wouldn't expect to find sugar in, barbecue sauce, two tablespoons of barbecue sauce can have as much as two teaspoons of sugar. Some of them have more than a third um, sugar content. Ketchup is similar. Fruit juice, especially if it isn't naturally squeezed fruit juice can have just as much as a can of sugary soda. And so if you are drinking a big glass of juice thinking you're doing yourself a favor, Without the fiber from the whole fruit, you're throwing that into your body. And again, sugar isn't the only thing we crave, but it's one of the most common cravings. And that's why I'm addressing it specifically. Spaghetti sauce. Who would think about spaghetti sauce being loaded with sugar? When you um, look at some of the brands, you'll find there's there are a couple of them that have as much sugar in them per serving as a, as a candy bar, a chocolate bar. It's shocking. And sports drinks, we think, oh, sports drinks are good. They're going to give me energy. They're so healthy. Unless you're endurance training for a huge event or you're working out in heat for over two hours at a time, you do not need a sports drink. Um, in a 20-ounce uh, bottle or, or can of sports drinks, it's common to find about nine teaspoons worth, 32 and a half grams of sugar. Granola, that's healthy, right? In 100 grams of granola, you can find as much as 400 to 500 calories and five to seven teaspoons of sugar. So things like protein bars, pre-made soups, cereals, even canned baked beans. It's, it's atrocious how much of that stuff is hidden. And I won't even talk about the other things like MSG and colorings and flavorings that they add. So when we crave certain things, it could be because we're getting extra extra portions of things like sugar in places we don't even realize they're they're coming in. I I remember a couple of years ago I decided I was going to cut out all added sugars and I started reading more closely the labels. I'm careful about the products I buy, but even my salsa, my Mexican salsa had a lot of sugar in it. Now I can make that at home and it tastes really good and it doesn't have any sugar in it. So I don't know why there's this need to add it, but sometimes that, that need to eat those things comes from our own food sources and the fact that we continue to eat them even when we don't think we are. Cravings are normal and natural. We have an emotional brain that wires us to pursue comfort, when we feel uncomfortable, when we're in a 
situation that's scary or difficult or different, our prior emotional brain, our subconscious mind is going to retrieve memories in order to help us feel more comfortable and stable and secure. And it's going to drive us to do things that it remembers having brought us comfort in the past. So when you're a little kid, you fall down, you scrape your knee, mom gives you a cookie. That doesn't have to happen too many times before you have learned and you have trained your brain that cookies make you feel better. For my, for me and my mom, it was hot fudge Sundays. We used hot fudge Sundays to celebrate good things. We used hot fudge Sundays to celebrate difficult things. We used hot fudge Sundays when we were feeling emotional. And there were a lot of years of my life when I couldn't figure out why in the middle of winter when I was freezing, I was craving a hot fudge Sunday. But again, it's that primal brain that brings it up. And I'll, and I'll just to share, because if, if you ever get that feeling like I must have this or someone's going to get hurt because I have to, I realized actually it wasn't until very recently that I realized what an emotional connection I had to popcorn. It was a food I couldn't keep in the house because I couldn't control myself around it. My popcorn bowl is the size of a serving bowl for like six people um, that you would put a big load of salad in or or something. And I started to realize in working with my own coach that when I was in high school, I was a competitive figure skater. So I trained before school and then I went to school for half days and I trained in the afternoons. And so I didn't have a super active social life. In the summer, I was training six hours a day, six days a week. So I was hanging out with my mom and we would, in the wintertime, sit in front of the fireplace with a big bowl of popcorn and talk about life. And in the summertime, I had to go to bed really early. So in the evening, we would sit on the porch, eat a big bowl of popcorn and talk about life. And those are some very happy, happy memories for me. Now, I lost her when I was only 19. And so throughout my life, I have turned to popcorn anytime I felt emotional, anytime I felt stressed, anytime I couldn't figure out what it was that I wanted or needed popcorn to the rescue. And I would eat that massive bowl of popcorn. These days, I now understand when that's happening. And so I can take a step back and say, hmm, what exactly is it that I'm feeling? And make a different choice. But it's a matter of becoming aware of what those attachments are, because they may come from so far in your past, you really don't even know that they are there. And so psychological reasons for cravings, emotional reasons for cravings are really huge. When I was doing my schooling for my master health certification, I love the analogy that they gave us and I'll share it with you here. Our emotional brain, picture an elephant and a rider on the elephant. Our emotional brain is the elephant. It can go wherever it wants to go. The rational brain, the thinky brain is the rider. And most of the time, if the if the elephant is feeling safe and secure, the rider can direct it, the rider can give it instructions, the rider can control it. And, and our logical brain often is able to do that and override and overrule those emotions that may come up from time to time. But eventually, if we wear ourselves out with too much stress and not enough of the things we actually need, 
that emotional brain, that elephant can take over and go crashing through the jungle or the forest or wherever it is. And the rider has no choice but to just go along. And it can say, we shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be doing this. We need to be doing something else. But it doesn't matter because once the emotional brain is set in motion, it's in charge. So if you get those really emotional cravings, if you get those moments, becoming more aware of them is a really great place to start because without awareness, it's hard to create an alternate path. So I'll talk about when we come back from our break, I'll talk about how to shape that path and some of the contributing factors to that path to help you guide that elephant, to guide that emotional brain in ways that are going to help you conquer those cravings that you have. This is such a great topic and it's one of my favorites. So I'm Julie Medesi, your host here on For the Health of It. Um, I'd love to talk with you some more. If you are interested, especially in this topic, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, we're here on the Inspired Choices Network, and I'd love to have you join us in the chat room for the next section of this because it's going to get really fun. And we will see you here after this break. Do you know that health and vitality are your body's natural state of being? Is that what your life feels like? Or do you feel like that's more of a pipe dream than an achievable goal? If you're a woman over 40 experiencing those not-so-fun changes to your body or lacking energy and worrying about the side effects of aging, wishing you could fit back into your clothes, it is time for you to learn how to change it all. When you tune into For the Health of It with Master Health Coach Julie Medesi, you'll learn how to regain your sense of badassery so you can navigate midlife like a boss. Listen to For the Health of It with Julie Medesi Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 9 Central Time, 8 Mountain Time and 7 Pacific Time and 4 p.m. in Italy on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is For the Health of It with Julie Medesi. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to julie at evexiahealth.com. That's J-U-L-I at E-V-E-X-I-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com. And now, back to the program. Hello, welcome back to For the Health of It. I'm your host, Julie Medesi. We're here on the Inspired Choices Network today, and we're talking all about conquering your cravings. If this is something you struggle with, I would love to have a conversation with you. I reach out. Um, the email is juli at evexiahealth.com. That's E-V-E-X-I-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. I also have some great programs available. I offer a complimentary session, success strategy session to help understand what your needs are and devise a strategy for you. Even if we don't work together, I'll make sure you are provided with something you can put into action immediately. 
But if you're interested in one-on-one -on -one coaching, or I have a couple of really great group programs that will help address this very topic. One of them, you can go to buildabodyyoulove.com and check it out. We're in the throes of that right now. It's a great program. Again, that's buildabodyyoulove.com. Dot com. So talking about the psychology of cravings. Again, I know so many people who feel like a victim to their cravings, and it's time to take that power back. Advertising companies, food marketers are trying very, very hard to have you make you buy their products. It's what they do. It's about trading for dollars. They want nothing to do with thinking about your health. And I, and I, Something I find really interesting is that certain foods that are available, the same brand in Europe or in the U.S. or North America, have different requirements because there are a lot of ingredients put into processed foods in North America that are not permitted in, in Europe and other countries on this side of the world. And one of those things, interestingly enough, is ketchup. And it's a very common thing we find. I mean, who doesn't like ketchup with a burger or whatever, French fries, chips, however, however you call them. But the ketchup we buy here is made with cane sugar, and sugar is the second ingredient after tomatoes. If you look at the most common brands of um, ketchup in the U.S., you will find that high fructose corn syrup is often the very first ingredient. It's not permitted in food here. And again, it's one of those other names for sugar, corn syrup, anything syrup, anything ending in O-S-E. And those things are designed to make you crave more of them. And so you aren't actually powerless over food. One of the most powerful things you can do is make different food choices and you will see a lot of those cravings simply disappear. And it doesn't mean you have to sacrifice all the things you love because we eat for so many different reasons. And talking about the psychology of cravings and before the break, I was talking about emotional attachment to cravings. And my my story about popcorn and, and my mother. And I, I find that when we can find a different way to honor those emotions, and maybe it's with a different kind of food, maybe it's with a healthier version of the food, maybe it's that food itself, and we just have a little bit less of it. Cravings aren't bad. Food has no power. It's not good or bad. It's simply food. You aren't good or bad for having eaten it. You've simply eaten some food. And when we can put food into that perspective, then it gives us the chance to take that power back away from it because you are 100% responsible for what you put into your mouth. And we don't like to think about that sometimes because it's easier to be a victim to that. And I'm not criticizing anybody. Trust me, I spent most of my life eating emotionally and struggling with this kind of thing. And this is why it's such a dear topic to my heart, because I see people going through it. The other thing I'll say is that we all are going to have cravings at some point in our lives. And even now, knowing what I know, there are days when I have that craving and it's going to be I either have it or something is going to break or somebody's going to get the wrath of Julie because that drive is so strong. I was talking about the elephant and the rider before the break where the, the rider can control the elephant to a certain point, the elephant being our emotional brain, 
But once those emotions get in motion, it's energy in motion, emotion, it's pretty hard to stop that momentum. So even if you find yourself at the bottom of the ice cream tub with sticky fingers or the bottom of the bag of snacks and your fingers are orange and you don't remember eating any of it, it's okay. Being aware that this is what's happened and do an exercise we call notice and name. Try to backtrack a little bit before you ate the thing and decide, what was I doing? What was my environment like? Where were, where was my, where were my thoughts? What emotions were I, was I feeling? What kinds of things were driving me to go and grab this? And again, it could be something simple and mindless, like this is the time of day I needed to do something not to think about. It could be something emotional, but being able to backtrack a little bit and revisit those steps and kind of reverse engineer the, the situation will help you to be able to make a plan for next time those things come up and practicing those plans before it becomes that intense, super difficult situation. Preparation, planning are big key factors in this, and it can be done. I promise you it can be done. So I, I mentioned that the food industry spends billions of dollars on marketing and food design. And if you watch television, I don't actually have a, a TV, but um, when you watch a television, I know there are multiple commercials on throughout the course of a program. And usually they're either about food or medicine of some kind. And when you count how many times those commercials are put in front of you, it's no wonder that we want to eat those things that they're advertising. I like to have a rule of thumb that says, don't eat a food that has a commercial. Chances are it's not going to be very good for you. But when we go through all of this marketing, all of this psychological manipulation, and then we look at our emotional attachments to food, our habits, imbalances, nutritional deficiencies, other factors that play into it, it, it distorts our relationship with food. And we start to be afraid of food. We start to look at food as the enemy. Because again, I mentioned earlier, the average person in America tries over 126 different diets in their lifetime. It's no wonder that our relationship with food is just not where we want it to be. And that's, again, 100% okay. So if you have these feelings, I really want, if you take nothing else away from this program, I want you to understand this is normal. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. And if you want a strategy to figure out how to get around it, it's going to take time and patience, but it can be done. And that's the kind of thing I love to help with. So being able to understand how, you know, what in your life is influencing your cravings and mindset has a lot to do with it. Self-image and self-worth also have a lot to do with it. When we don't feel well, when we don't feel good in our own skin, we don't have that desire to take care of ourselves. And we're more likely to be drawn to and to crave things that give us short-term satisfaction, even though we know somewhere in our mind and body that those things aren't actually good for us physically. And this is especially important as we get to this stage of life, because what we eat affects 
the aging process in a big way, especially now when your hormones are starting to change and things are out of balance, it, it has a huge impact. So the health of your brain, they're now calling Alzheimer's diabetes type three. And there have been some research studies that show how much of an impact diet can have on women's brains and how we experience menopause and whether or not we form the amyloid proteins and plaques in the brain that cause that are associated with Alzheimer's. And one of the big things we can actually control is what we put into our body. And so being able to look at that sense of self-worth, being able to look at how, how do we feel about our body, about our life, about our confidence and our self-image so that we want to take care of ourselves and we want to do things that are going to enhance our health and help drive down some of those cravings. Social and cultural aspects are also huge. I mean, I know around different holidays throughout the year, it doesn't matter which holidays you celebrate, there is some kind of attachment to food. Aside from feasts, fasting feasts, and, and it goes from, from fasting to, to feast um, in many cases, it's, they're always about food. And I can't think of a celebratory situation or an occasion where food isn't involved in some way. And that's great. And it's okay because especially when we understand we have those things in limited quantities at specific times of the year or in specific situations, it gives us, again, the power to make those choices and to make those decisions because life is meant to be enjoyed. Life is meant to be savored. And food is a big part of that. And so creating this stigma around food and around cravings and around the way we eat has really kind of messed up our our relationship with food and our relationship with our bodies, and we start judging ourselves about it. And speaking of this, I want to remind you, tune into the next episode. We'll be talking about stopping self-sabotage because these two things are very directly linked. Cravings and self-sabotage, I think, sometimes are two sides of the same coin. And there are a lot of emotional attachments involved in the process of self-sabotaging um, as well. We want to be healthy. We want to do the right things. And yet we continue to eat these things that we know aren't necessarily good for us. And cravings, by the way, aren't always about food. I'm talking about food because that's what I focus on with most of my clients, even though I coach on a wide variety of of as different aspects of health, I call it, we call it deep health because you are a whole person. So we take a holistic view. Food tends to be the biggest piece of that. And so we talk a lot about weight loss and, and cravings. But the other thing to remember is even if you do want to lose weight, you can't lose weight forever. You have to reach a point where you're at a goal or you're at a healthy weight and you're okay with that and understanding how to stay there to be able to enjoy these foods that you crave from time to time, to enjoy these foods that maybe aren't the most health promoting, but still can be part of a healthy life. And so being able to explore, again, that mindset around the way you look at food, the, your mindset around the way you look at your body and your desire to take care of it can can play a huge role. And, um, you know, we also sometimes have cravings because we're stressed or we're bored or 
some other kind of trigger. And we can talk a little bit more about some of those triggers when we come back from a break, because triggers are going to be a really good turning point in the craving cycle where you can decide, I can feel this happening and I need to take a different step. I need to choose. I need to put my plan into place. And so when you can start to identify those triggers, it helps a lot with controlling your cravings. So we're going to go to another break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about identifying those triggers and then some strategies that you can put into place today to start conquering your cravings. So stay tuned here for the health of it. I'm your host, Julie Medesi. We're on the Inspired Choices network and i will see you after the break do you know that health and vitality are your body's natural state of being is that what your life feels like or do you feel like that's more of a pipe dream than an achievable goal if you're a woman over 40 experiencing those not so fun changes to your body or lacking energy and worrying about the side effects of aging wishing you could fit back into your clothes it is time for you to learn how to change it all When you tune into For the Health of It with Master Health Coach Julie Medesi, you'll learn how to regain your sense of badassery so you can navigate midlife like a boss. Listen to For the Health of It with Julie Medesi Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 9 Central Time, 8 Mountain Time, and 7 Pacific Time, and 4 p.m. in Italy on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is For the Health of It with Julie Medesi. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to julie at evexiahealth.com. That's J-U-L-I at E-V-E-X-I-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com. And now, back to the program. Hello, hello. Welcome back. This is For the Health of It, and I'm your host, Julie Medesi. We're here on the Inspired Choices Network, and we are talking about conquering those cravings. If you would like some help with this, please reach out to me, either email or you can find me on social media just about everywhere. This is a really important topic, and I know a lot of people struggle with it, and it it hurts my heart to watch this struggle and suffering. One of the reasons I became a master health coach and a certified holistic health practitioner was to be able to help people through these things. So you don't have to go through the the agony that I went through in trying to figure it out. I've got a lot of education and experience behind me to help you I won't say shortcut the process because you still have to do the work, but to help you be on the right path and to help you stay on the right path to get those results that you're looking for and to help identify where your cravings are maybe sidetracking you from what you want to be doing, especially if there's a big emotional attachment to food, because that is a huge factor for many, many people, especially we women. And one of the reasons for that is because we are encouraged to not express our emotions. And that's true across the board, especially with men, but it's with women as well. I remember, tell me if any of this sounds familiar, if you're, if we're part of the same generation. You have to be a member of the clean plate club. You can't leave the table until your plate is empty. Didn't matter how hungry you were, you had to clean that plate. Um, how about, are you crying? stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. I remember hearing that quite often because I was a fairly emotional child. And over the course of those years, I learned to stuff those emotions down and 
also because of the behavior of my family, I learned some of those things from them. Eating made you feel better. So therefore, when you feel bad, you should eat something. And so we stuff those feelings down symbolically and literally with food. And again, the foods we tend to reach for in those moments are not vegetables and fruits and health promoting foods. And so it if that is you, <laughs> you are not alone. This is 100% normal. Um, Christine said they had 10 kids and said, whoever eats the fastest gets the mostest. These things were so common when we were growing up. I got the other one about there are children starving in some country far away. Uh, they would appreciate having the, that broccoli or those peas. Of course, they didn't. My parents didn't appreciate it when I offered to mail it to them. But um, but we we have all of this pressure on us to eat, 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 whether or not we're hungry or stuff down those emotions so that we don't have to feel them. So one of the best ways to start dealing with these kinds of cravings is to look at triggers. Think about times. Look at your environment. Think about the people you're around. I mean, we all have those people who drive us to behaviors we might not prefer to exhibit, right? And sometimes being around certain people can cause those stress levels to go up, can cause us to reach out for something to comfort us, to distract us. And especially if you have difficult relationships with parents and siblings and other friends or people you don't have a choice about being around, Food can be that source of comfort. So think about who's around you when you have those cravings. Think about if there's a particular time in the month when you have those cravings. If you're perimenopausal and you're still having cycles, those hormonal fluctuations can be a huge factor in that. And even postmenopausal, we still have hormones all over the place. They're just shifting and a bit different. And they preferentially deposit fat in different places on our body than it did before menopause. And so even that makes those hormones do a little dance and may contribute to some of those cravings that you're having. So when you can start watching, become an observer, don't feel like you have to get it right because there's nothing to get right. It's a matter of be curious, start observing these behaviors and instead of berating yourself, maybe think, hmm, that's interesting. Take the emotion out of it because you and I both know very well, as soon as you say, I can't have that or you can't have that, that's the only thing we want. So instead of bringing out that inner bully, let's get curious, let's get interesting, let's make it a science experiment, let's figure out what is driving those behaviors. And when you can have that curiosity, it allows you to start observing things that are happening around you. And as I said, triggers can be emotional, habitual, they could be nutritional deficiencies, which is a whole other topic um, for a whole other episode. Um, limiting beliefs, stress factors. There are lots of different things that may trigger those cravings. Lack of sleep. We could do a whole episode on sleep. When you're not sleeping well, your stress level, you don't handle stress as well, your hormones are out of balance, your body wants to get energy from somewhere, and usually it's food. And so check your sleep, check your stress management, check your environment, check those emotions, check that cyclical nature um, of, the, of the calendar, see what kinds of things might be triggering you and observe and start looking for those common cues. And you don't have to get really, really involved in this. You can keep a simple journal 
post snack, post craving, post binge, whatever it is, and say, hmm, these are the things that were happening. Gather data so that you have something to work with instead of judgment about yourself and what you're doing. And then once you see what some of those patterns are, it's a great idea to come up with some different different ways you can deal with those situations. Can you simply remove yourself from the situation? Can you distract yourself with something else? Do you have a hobby? Could you go for a walk? Can you get active? Physical activity is a great way to shift the energy, to get some dopamine going in your body, which is what that food is, is triggering in your brain. And other kinds of coping mechanisms. I think the most important one is to learn to actually sit with your feelings. Feel what's going on. It's icky. It's uncomfortable. We don't want to do it. And we haven't learned how to do it in most cases. So giving yourself permission to sit quietly and feel what you're feeling is a huge, huge power movement for you to take back that time and understand what's actually going on. Then you can observe it more directly. You can say, hmm, I am feeling this. And I have, a, there's a, a chart called a wheel of feelings. I think there were 77 different feelings. There's a lot more besides happiness, sadness, anger, frustration. I mean, we have all kinds of variations of all of those emotions. And so when you can get in touch with whatever the emotion is that you're feeling, it helps you to deal with it and, and get a plan. So I hope you found some helpful information in this episode. I'd love to talk to you about your cravings and your needs from a health point of view. Next week, we are going to talk about stopping self-sabotage. So we're going to continue on this track, talking about where cravings come from, why we do these things, how we step in our own way so often. And remember, there are a lot of different factors involved in cravings. So it's okay if you have them and it's okay if you get in, give in to them sometimes. There are times I eat the popcorn still. I know it's not gonna make me feel good, but my body, my heart, my head all want it. And I give myself permission and then I can eat it and not feel guilty. I can enjoy it. And then I can move on and do the next healthy thing. And when you learn to identify the triggers for your cravings, when you get some help to put an alternative strategy in place, and then you start practicing those strategies at times when maybe the emotions aren't quite so hard, aren't quite so intense, it gives you the repetition and the practice so that when those really big, intense, difficult mo moments may strike, you can, you can do it. You can step in front of it. You can conquer that craving, and you can have that plan in place solidly going forward. So you don't have to try another one of those 126 diets that are keeping you feeling stuck and frustrated and unhappy. So make sure to tune in next time for Stopping Self-Sabotage. I'm Julie Medesi, your host of For the Health of It on the Inspired Choices Network. And I can't wait to talk to you next time. Come back and see us very, very soon. Cravings are okay. Thank you for listening to For the Health of It with Julie Medesi, Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 9 Central Time, 8 Mountain Time, and 7 Pacific Time at 4 p.m. in Italy on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Until then, remember, 
you can build a body you love living in, one small step at a time.